Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you so much for this beautiful day, God, that you have ordained. God, that you have a specific word for each of us this morning. And God, we put our trust not in man, but God, we put our trust in you and in your word. Your word is living, it is active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, God, and it is that that transforms us from the inside out. So Father, we position ourselves to open our hearts to receive from you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, we are continuing our series, God's Hall of Fame. Have you been enjoying this series? Yes? I mean, excited about it? We've talked about a couple of key players. Uh-oh, Siri wants to talk to me. That's not what I wanted. Um, okay, there we go. That's much better. We've had a couple of key players that we've talked about so far. We talked about Noah. Do you remember Noah? Talked about that. And then last week, who did we talk about last week? Abraham, absolutely, and it was a powerful message. Well, today, uh, no surprise, based on our intro video, we are talking about Joseph. And we're diving in to God's Hall of Fame. And you may be wondering, gosh, why are we talking about God's Hall of Fame? What, what's the importance about this whole chapter? Well, if you'll open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, that is the Hall of Fame chapter, amen? God's Hall of Fame chapter. And as you read through chapter 11, you start seeing all these different individuals that God highlights throughout scripture who time and time again have done amazing things. But there's one verse that I want to point out to you and that's this, Hebrews 11 verse six. And it says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Amen. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. But it's impossible to please God without faith. And as you read through Hebrews chapter 11, you see all these heroes of faith who by faith did amazing things. But we are excited about this series because we're reading about individuals listed in Hebrews, individuals of great faith who did amazing things for the kingdom of God. But how many of you know that you are called, that you are here for such a time as this, that you are not here on accident, amen? You are individuals filled with the Holy Spirit of God, called to make a difference and to change the world, amen? Amen, that should be a bigger amen, amen? You are anointed, and, you, and so what is beautiful is when we get to see the lives of these individuals, we get to learn from them, we get to grow from them, we get to understand, goodness, this is how they did amazing things for the kingdom of God. Okay, I'm gonna apply this to my life because I have an assignment. God has a plan for my life. I have something I'm here on this earth to accomplish, amen? And I wanna do exactly what God's called me to do. I don't wanna miss one thing. Amen. If you look at uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4 in the NIV, it says this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That's a glimpse into the benefit that we have of diving into the word of God, studying scripture. It's meant to teach us. The stories of the past are meant to help us so that we can grow, amen? So that we can be the body of Christ, so that we can be salt and light, so that we can be a city on a hill, amen? And so that we can be all that God's called us to be. So in that study, we're gonna start with Joseph. How many of you know the story of Joseph? Yes? 
All right, so I'm not gonna take that for granted. So I am going to just kind of give you the Maria version of the story of Joseph. Can we do that? It's a lot. If you want to read about Joseph, you can open up to the book of Genesis. You can start with chapter 37, and it goes all the way through chapter 50. It'll give you a great rendition, but that's a lot to read on a platform because we have limited time. So Joseph was a shepherd. Um, His brothers were shepherds. He had 12 brothers. He was the favorite in the house. His dad highly favored him made him a coat, his brothers were jealous of him. He was, you know, he was just a little bit of a spoiled, a little bit of an arrogant individual child, right? We, are, we all know individuals maybe like that. Maybe we have siblings that fall in that category because certainly we wouldn't, I don't know. Um, but he was, and he had a dream. God spoke to him. He had a couple dreams. God spoke to him, and they were very clear dreams, and when he had them, he knew exactly what God was saying to him. But in his, you know, prideful, arrogant state, he decided that he was going to share these dreams with his brothers, which maybe wouldn't have been such a bad idea, except the dreams were all about how his brothers were going to serve him, but not just serve him, actually bow down to him. And how many of you know, if you think back to sibling days, that probably wouldn't land well with your brothers? and sisters who already think you're a little bit of a spoiled brat. Can I get an amen? Okay. So, and just as as we looking back could imagine, it didn't land too well and his brothers were definitely jealous. They were angry. They were all the things to the point of having thoughts about murdering Joseph. So this hatred went pretty extreme, went pretty far. So instead of murdering him, they decided to throw him in a pit and then through a series of circumstances, they were going to either leave him there, but then they decided to sell him to, uh, as a slave. So they lied to Joseph's father, made it look like he had been murdered by a lion. Something happened, ate him, destroyed, you know, killed him, but then um, actually sold him into slavery. So Joseph's life began to take probably what most of us would think would be a pretty bad turn of events. If that happened to us, I think that would be pretty sad. So along the journey, he was sold into um, Potiphar's house uh, as a slave, but then he began to kind of go up the ranks, and he began to take ownership of everything that Potiphar had and run his household and everything. And he was doing great. He was successful in that position. And then Potiphar's wife kind of really liked him and tried to seduce him, and he said no, and she didn't like that. So then she accused him of raping her. So it was another bad day, uh, all of those events. So then he got thrown in jail for something he didn't even do, and then in jail he interpreted dreams of a cupbearer and a baker. They forgot about him. Anyway, long story short, eventually they remember that this man can interpret dreams. He gets called in front of Pharaoh, and um, he was able to interpret some dreams for Pharaoh that helped him out, and then Pharaoh elevated him to second in command over all the land. At the end of the story, Joseph's brothers um, come, end up coming um, because there's a severe famine in all the land, and they need Joseph's help because they need food, and he was able to take care of that for them. So it's just a little bit of the story in a nutshell, but there's a couple of things that, and we'll talk a little bit more in detail about the story as we get going, but there's a couple of things that I wanted to point out along the way. And that's this. There's four points about the story of Joseph that I believe, certainly not the entire list, but that I believe God wants us to know about this morning, to pay close attention to. And the first one is this, is that God did speak to Joseph. 
You say, gosh, Pastor Maria, that's an obvious statement. I know it is. But I want you to understand something. God did speak, and he did speak clearly. And he understood that when he spoke to Joseph, that he spoke to Joseph even in his immaturity. God knew exactly who he was talking to. He saw all the flaws that Joseph currently had, and he still spoke clearly to him in his immaturity. Joseph may have thought that when he received the dreams that he was ready for the fulfillment of those dreams at that moment. We know from reading the story, he wasn't ready to step into that kind of a role, right? The Joseph we see at the beginning of the story is not the same Joseph we see at the end of the story. We know there's a journey in between. But God still spoke to Joseph in his immaturity, and God seemingly wasn't concerned about the in-between. He just spoke the end from the beginning. And he spoke clearly enough so that Joseph understood what he was talking about, even though he wasn't the person ready to walk in the fulfillment of the calling just yet. So I would encourage each of us in this room this morning that sometimes when God speaks to us, he, he does speak to us, but some all the time, my goodness, God's always talking to us, but to understand that there may very well be a journey from point A to point B, and that we have to be open, that there's some growth and change and transformation that's gonna have to take place for us to become and to be ready to step into what God has for us. Just because God said it here doesn't mean that we're ready here to step into that. Amen? There's some transformation and journey that has to take place. But the reason he often speaks the dream then, I think there's a couple of reasons. I'm sure there's many more reasons. But I think two very clear reasons is one, so that you have God's word on it. Because as you're going through the journey, Joseph's journey from when he got the dream to when he was number two in all of Egypt underneath Pharaoh saving the line, well, we'll get to that later, but really the one who was there to save um, Israel and the lineage of the Jesus, that Christ would come through, the journey there was anywhere between 13 to 16 years. It wasn't like a week. It was going to be a journey, and there was going to be a lot of stuff happening that seemingly didn't seem fair. But God had spoken a dream. So a lot of times we get that clarity because it will keep us in the journey. And then we have that clear word that will keep us once we've gotten there because it doesn't mean all the work's done then either. Let's you know that you're in the right place. Amen? God spoke clearly. Joseph heard from God in his immaturity, and when we get the dream, we're not yet the person ready for the fulfillment of it. And God spoke to him even though he knew he wouldn't handle it well. And he <laughs> tattled Dale even though he wasn't ready for the fulfillment of the promise as of yet. The clarity of the communication, I wrote this down, this helps talk about what I just mentioned. The clarity of the communication from God will most likely speak to the fact that we are going to need to be able to look back and know exactly what God has said to us along the journey and after we arrive at the destination. The dream is there to keep us on task. We'll need the word from God to get us there, and we'll need the word from God to keep us there. Amen? Amen. 
Well, now if you can open your Bibles to Genesis, we're going to do a couple. I want you to see this. So if you have your Bible, please see this. Um, We're going to look at chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. And I want you to see this part with your eyes. Because Joseph went through so much, he faced ultimate betrayal, rejection, heartbreak, grief, loss, multiple times over. But I want you to see this. Genesis 39, we're going to start with verses 1 through 6. It says this, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Listen, now here's the part I want you to see. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire house and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. Okay, now hold that. Now look at verses 20 through 23. This is when Joseph was put in prison after he ran away from Potiphar's wife. Verses 20 through 23 in chapter 39, it says this. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But again, I'm sensing a recurring theme. It says this, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Listen to me. I'm coming down here. Listen to me. How many times do we go through life and we utter those, those words that come out of our mouth that says, God, why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? You, you're not here in the midst with me. But this very clearly said in, in both of the places, all throughout Joseph's life, even when he was in the pit, when he got sold into slavery, when he got put in prison, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. He was never, God never left him. He never forsake, forsook him. He didn't leave him alone. He didn't take his hand off of his life. Amen. God was always with us, with Joseph in the journey, which means that I know that guess what, guys? God is always going to be with you. It doesn't matter what you're walking through. It doesn't matter what valley you're going through. It doesn't matter what season you're in. So you know what the enemy tries to do? He tries to make us think and tries to make us believe that we're alone, that God's left us alone. And then we begin to believe a lie instead of the truth of the word of God about our situation. And what happens when you believe a lie? You start leading your life on that direction and that course of those thoughts because your life goes in the direction of your most dominant thought. How many of you know that? Your life goes in the direction of your most dominant thought. So when you start believing a lie, believing that God has forsaken you, God, the, believing that God took his hand off your life, surely God has no idea where I am. Surely my life is a mess. And if anybody had the right or the ability to say, or we would, and from the outside looking in to say, man, it looks like God left you. It looks like God forsaken you, forsook you. It might've been Joseph. His brothers tried to kill him. His brother sold him into slavery. I mean, that's the ultimate level of rejection, right? Then he, I mean, he did the right thing and got thrown into jail. So many things happened to him in his life, but God never left him and never forsake, forsook, forsake, you know what I'm talking about. 
for a second. But it's important that we understand in our own life that God has never forsaken us and that you don't fall into the trap of believing that lie because when you do, then you start making life decisions and, and you start walking in that direction in a life that then the, the fruit of your life is one that lives from the place of God isn't with me. He doesn't see me and he doesn't care about me. You start going in that direction. But if you understand and realize it doesn't matter, God is always with me. And you can stay in that relationship rather than running away from God, you run to God, cling to him in the middle of that situation then your life begins to go in a different direction. And then we also see that not only was God with Joseph, Joseph's situations and surroundings couldn't stop the blessing and favor of God on his own life. The favor of God on Joseph's life was not dependent on his situations and circumstances. He was, in, he was sold into slavery, and because he feared God, and because he had that relationship with God, his life, God just kept elevating him, right? God had spoken a word to him. He knew what Joseph was called to do. He said this, he had given him a dream. Joseph didn't know or probably understand at the time exactly how all of that was gonna play out, but God had spoken clearly to him. And God was going to get him there. And God was in the process of getting him there even when it looked like it was darkest. But if he would have turned his heart away and started forsaking God in that moment and said, you know what? In this moment, it's too hard. I'm not gonna live for God right now. I'm just gonna do just enough, or I deserve to, kinda, to not do things well and not to, not to live the way God would want me to live. God, God wouldn't have been able to get him into the positions that he needed to be in in order to get him to where he needed to be at the end. Amen? So it doesn't matter the journey, God's word, he's going to get you to where you need to be. He will fulfill the promise spoken over your life. Joseph's journey was a long one. So just because it's taken time doesn't mean that you have been forgotten or that you've been forsaken. You remain faithful and God can bless you in the midst of any situation. Amen? No matter what, you are a Holy Spirit-filled child of God. You always have access to your Heavenly Father. He has never left you. Start operating and living like a child of God right where you are. You don't need your circumstances or surroundings or address to change first. Everything that needs to change has already changed because of Jesus. Because of who Jesus is, you don't need other things to change before you can start living like a Holy Spirit-filled child of God, wherever you are. So just like we were singing in worship and Pastor Josue, that was such a powerful moment where he was like, get up, get up. 
Get out of, you know what I see when I hear him saying, saying that over this house? Get out of the lies. Get out of the deceit, the believing the lies, believing the wrong things, believing that God's forsaken you, believing that all these other things have to change before God can start using you. Get out of that lies. That's not the truth of the word of God. You are right now God's chi- his child. You are a full Holy Spirit-filled child of God. You are anointed right now, and you can start living on purpose right now. You don't need everything else to change before you can start doing that, amen? You are full of the Holy Spirit of God. We say that all the time, but it's, it's a mindset shift that happens when you live and understand that that's who you are, then you live like that's who you are. Amen? All right, you join this? Okay, um, all right, next one. I like this one. Joseph walked as someone who knew God even in the midst of hardship, betrayal, and pain. Joseph walked as someone who knew God. He honored God and man. And if you read in Genesis chapter 39, uh, verse 6 through 18, it's a story of Potiphar's wife. But one of the points in there is that Joseph at the end, when he is refusing Potiphar's wife, when he's saying no to her, when he's trying to flee and get away from her, he says to her, he says, I don't want to dishonor Potiphar and he doesn't want to sin against God. So in the middle of it, he's been through so much in his life. He has probably the most of us would be like, go ahead, ditch God. Go ahead, do something that you want to do. Give in to your flesh. But he walked as if he knew God, amen? And he's like, I'm not going to dishonor Potiphar. I'm not going to dishonor God. I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to stand true to what I know God's placed on the inside of me. I may not see it, and God may never get me out of this place. God may never get me out of, the, out, of, out of being a servant. God may never get me out of the pit. God may never get me out of the dungeon. But this is what God says. I'm going to live my life according to the word of God. Amen? Joseph lived and walked as someone who knew God in the midst of hardship, betrayal, and pain. He didn't want to sin against Potiphar and God. He still held the laws of God with high regard. And doing the right thing didn't land him in an amazing place. It actually landed him in jail. And then he began to prosper in jail. You know what else he did in Genesis 39? This, is, this one blessed me so much, verses 5 and 6. While they're in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night. And each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. And he said, interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So then Joseph goes on and tell them, tells them their dreams and interprets them and essentially says to the um, cupbearer, that's the first one, to the cupbearer, that in three days' time he'd be released. And the baker's like, well, what about me? And he tells them, well, you're going to die. As a matter of fact, you're being impaled on a pole. <laughs> I just think that's really tough. Okay. Um, and then that happened. And he had told them not to forget about him when they were released. But you know the part that stands out to me is verse 6. It says, when Joseph saw them, he noticed them. In the midst of his own prison sentence, 
He wasn't focused on himself. He wasn't focused on licking his own wounds. He wasn't in a pity party. He noticed other prisoners and asked them what's wrong. They said a dream and then he actually ministered to them. Now that's a powerful, powerful change because how many of us, when we get into situations where we've been hurt, where we've been rejected, where we get to those places and it's easy to shut ourselves down and to stop looking and, and noticing other people that God's placed right in front of us to minister to. And we just kind of, and I've been there. Anybody been there? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. I've been there. I've wallowed in my self-pity just a little bit. Anybody else had a pity party at times? Yeah, a couple of you. The rest of you are lying. So when you have a pity party, what happens? You can't see the people around you. You just see yourself, right? And the longer we stay stuck in that, we think we're trying to protect ourselves. We think we deserve to stay here. And then we start to get bitter because nothing's changing and we're not getting out of that situation or circumstances. My friend, one of the ways God's gonna get you out is if you stop having a pity party and open your eyes. And guess what? The cupbearer, he was his tool out of the prison. If Joseph just decided to stay and just be like, well, serves him right, they get to be in prison right along here with me. They look worried, but I would imagine so do most prisoners. But so he noticed something and he ministered. He didn't know that that was gonna get him out of the prison. He didn't know what was gonna be on the other end of that, but he noticed. That's powerful, amen? All right, you're awfully quiet. All right. Soaking it in. He noticed and cared for others in the middle of his own mess. Saw them and had compassion. And the fourth one is this. In order for the fulfillment of what God spoke in Joseph's life, Joseph was going to have to forgive. In order for the fulfillment of the dream, there was no way around it. Joseph was going to have to forgive. See, what happened in the fulfillment of that, after the, you know, two years after the cupbearer got out of prison, Pharaoh had a couple of dreams and nobody could interpret them. And that's what jogged the cupbearer's memory to say, oh, hey, there's a guy in prison who can interpret dreams. Two years later, after Joseph had interpreted his dream. So he got out of prison, got cleaned up, and went before Pharaoh. Nobody could interpret these dreams, but Joseph was able to say exactly what they meant, but then he took it a step further and told Pharaoh how to solve the problem. Because Egypt was about ready to head into seven years of extreme abundance of crops and wealth, but then followed by seven years of extreme famine. And in order to save the land, there had to be a system put in place 
of taking, you know, storing a percentage of all the, bump, the, the extra from the bumper crops to reserve for the years of famine. But Joseph's the only one that can interpret the dreams that that's what was going to happen, and he told Pharaoh how to solve it. So then Pharaoh put him in charge, second in command of Egypt. But what he probably, you know, fast forward in the story, his brothers and his father were affected by the famine. And they traveled to Egypt to hopefully receive grain, to stay alive. And when they got to Egypt, they came before Joseph. And the brothers didn't recognize Joseph, but Joseph did. He recognized them first. If Joseph had not forgiven and just said, forget it, I'm not going to forgive you, he could have hurt them, he could have refused to give them food, he could have done all kinds of things, right? And not helped them, and then that entire line, his family would have perished. Consequently, Jesus was to later come through one of his brother's lines, Judah. So if Joseph had not forgiven his brothers, that whole line would have perished. But Joseph had to make a choice, and he put his brothers through a series of tests that a lot of people believe was to see if their heart had changed, and it did. And eventually, he revealed himself to his brothers and said, this is who I am. There was a whole bunch of forgiveness that ended up having to take place, and crying, and he saw his dad. But the point I want to make is this. In order for that dream to happen, See, when God gives you a dream, there's a lot of journey. But the toughest part of the journey, a lot of times, is not what's happening outside of our lives, it's what's happening inside of us. So it's taking responsibility and making sure that what's going on the inside of us is lining up with what God's asking us to do, right? By walking in forgiveness, by walking in love, by allowing healing to take place. And those aren't always easy things to do. Those things we have to do by faith, right? I don't know about you, but it would be really hard to forgive siblings of mine who tried to kill me. Really hard. But in order for that promise to be fulfilled, it required much from him. It required obedience from him. It required his heart coming into alignment. It required forgiveness. But it also shows us the, 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 the effect that unforgiveness can have if we allow it to remain. I know this is a tough one, tough, tough message. I apologize. Okay, no, I don't. I don't apologize. I'll take that back. We all need it. Amen? Genesis 41, 6 through 9. I just want to read that to you, and that's, that's, that's right here. Just Genesis 41, 6 through 9 says this. this um, oh, nope, that's not the one I want. Nope, that's not the one I want. Never mind. Let's see. The one that I want... Okay, 42, 6 through 9. There we go. The screen's wrong, so don't pay attention to that because I gave them the wrong verse. 42, 6 through 9. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. There's the fulfillment of that dream. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from, he demanded. And they told him, 
And then in verse 9, it says, and he remembered the dreams he'd had about them many years before. And I want to pause there and say this. He remembered the dreams. In his immaturity, when he received the dreams, he most likely thought that the dreams were about him and his position and his success, right? I mean, he got, he, God talked to him. He said, your brothers are going to bow down before you right? Like there's this whole thing where he knew. So he's probably taking it. This dream is about me. It's about my success. It's about God elevating me. Probably feels really good, plays into that arrogant piece. But in that moment, when he saw his brothers there and that moment happened, in reality, he probably had a shift. And is this a good shift for all of us to have? That it was never about him. It was about the salvation of a nation. And it was about the preserving the lineage of Christ, who we mentioned earlier would later come through his brother Judah right? So when we have a dream, remember we're talking about in, in, the hall, in God's hall of fame, we've been talking about changing the course of a river, river, right? So instead of flowing into us, it flows out of us, right? What God's placed on the inside of us coming out of us, right? So when God speaks to you, realizing it's not really about you. When God talks to you, when he says, do this, when he prophesies over your life, when he gives you a word, when he gives you direction, it's not just about you. It's about, who, it's about the kingdom of God. It's about changing the world, amen? It's our immaturity that wants to have those words, wants to have that because it somehow validates us. It somehow makes us feel good. It somehow makes us feel like we're valued. It somehow, sometimes it can play into our pride saying, okay, that what about me? What about me? What about me? But it was never about Joseph. It was about the sal- salvation of a nation. It was about bringing Jesus into the earth. It was about redeeming mankind. It was so much bigger than Joseph. Joseph had to walk the journey, but it wasn't about him. And guys, listen, that's so freeing. That's so freeing. Because if it was about us, then there's so much more that rides on our shoulders. We just get to obey God when he talks to us. Amen? We get to do exactly what he calls us to do. Just take the next step. Do the next thing. Do the next thing. Do the next thing. Be obedient to God. Do what God calls us to do. Amen? And it's not about our perfection, because it isn't about us. It's about Jesus. And lives changing for eternity. Amen? I love that. That's so powerful. And then later on, after Joseph's brother dies, in chapter 50, there's a moment where Joseph reassures his brother, brothers, that after his father dies, that he's forgiven them. So it's a continual walk. I don't know about you, but there probably were moments where even after he forgave, that maybe he had to consciously make the decision to forgive again because maybe memories would come up. It had been such a long time. There was so much of his childhood and time with his father that was taken from him, that he didn't get to live, that maybe seemingly would be unfair. So even though he originally said it, I wonder if he how many times along the journey he had to continually make the choice, I'm going to forgive. Amen? It's not the easiest thing, but it's powerful. So just like Jesus, so many different parallels. I'm excited about this, you ready? All right, both Joseph and Jesus, this is so fun. They were both shepherds. They were both beloved of their father. 
They're both hated by brothers. Both went through rejection, betrayal, and suffering. Both were tempted. Both forgave. Both were saviors. So, I love that. I love that you can see Jesus so many places in the Old Testament. It's another visual for us of what he's done for us. But let me ask you this. What would have happened if Joseph or Jesus, if Joseph would have stayed bitter or if Jesus would have allowed himself to be bitter or rejected? What would have been different? Jesus knew what he was on the earth to do. He had a mission. He said, for the joy set before me, right? He knew that he was about to lay down his life. But what would have happened if Joseph stayed bitter? We talked about that. What would have happened if Jesus became bitter and he chose to walk that way? He wouldn't have finished his mission. Joseph, which seems silly to talk about because Jesus is perfect, right? So we all know that Jesus finished his mission. But what if Joseph hadn't? What would have happened if Joseph or Jesus were more focused on their troubles and what they were going through that they didn't notice others or the cupbearer and the baker like Joseph? What would have happened? And what would have happened if Joseph or Jesus had just given up and turned away from God on their journey because it was just too hard? So much would have been lost. Yeah? So much would have been lost. But praise God, they didn't. Which means you don't have to either. Greater is he that's on the inside of you than he that's in the world. You are more equipped than you realize to walk the path and the journey that God's placed in front of you. And even if something seems difficult to navigate, difficult to walk through, you are an overcomer. You are the head, you are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. You are more than a conqueror. You, the Bible says that you have everything you need for life and godliness. You can do it. And if it requires something difficult of you, like stepping into forgiveness or letting go of certain things in your life that you know that will trip you up and hold you back, you are able to do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can overcome, amen? You can do it, which means the call of God in your life is not wasted. The call of God, the anointing of God, the, what he's told you to do, it's not, it's not long gone. It's not forsaken, amen? He, he has the ability, you have the ability to finish the race that God's put you on, amen? You are not, you are not done. You are not done. You are not done. Not because of your age, not because of your past, not because of anything that maybe you've walked through. It's not, it's not wasted, amen? Let's get our heart in the right place. Let's link up with the, with the Lord. Let's hold on to him instead of running away from him, amen? Let's do what God's called us to do. Make those decisions. Make sure that you're walking right. Make sure that your heart's right. And remember that God has never left you and he's never forsaken you, amen? The hand of God is on your life. We live in a new covenant with Jesus, amen? So we know that the hand, of, the hand of God is on your life. The hand, let me say that one more time. The hand of God is on your life. You may not see it because maybe you've been looking for the wrong thing. 
You think that the hand of God looks like what somebody else's life looks like or that it looks like a certain specific set of perfect circumstances? But God's hand was on Joseph in the middle of a prison, in the middle of a jail cell, in the middle of, where, uh, middle of slavery, in the middle of whatever he was going through. You are not done. I have one more scripture. Oh, okay. What God is telling us to do isn't about us. It's about the kingdom of God. We're changing the course of the river. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this in the New Living. Come on now. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Listen to this. The beginning of that says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you know who those people are? They're all the saints that have gone before us. They're in heaven. They're in like this big grandstand of heaven. They've done it before us. There's a whole generations of Christians and believers, Holy Spirit-filled men and women of God who have gone before us. Amen? And they're cheering us on. Praise God, they've done this. We can run our race. We can run our race. So let's throw off all the excuses, all the things that would try to hold us back and keep us down, keep us from being everything that God's called us to be. It's not worth it because we already talked about it. It would, it would, I would consider, right, hanging on to some things that feel good to the flesh if that word from God and the call of God in my life was just about me. Because then it might not be worth it. Right? but it's not about me. There's more connected to my obedience than just me. There's more lives at stake. There's more transformation at stake. There's the kingdom of God. We're on a team. We're on a great team. We're on the winning team. We're on the victorious side and it's our turn. We've been handed the baton. This generation has been handed the baton. It's been passed off to us. And this generation is everybody who's alive. I don't care what generation you're a part of. If you are alive and breathing, you're, in this, you're here for such a time as this. You are anointed for such a time as this. You have the baton in your hand. It is our turn to run this race and to let go of every weight. And those weights, yeah, might be sin, but they might be mindsets that are tripping us up. They may, might, might be things that we believed about ourselves, limitations that we believed about ourselves, but it's our turn to just let go of it, amen, and run that race. Walk that journey, no matter what it looks like. Live like you know, like you have a relationship with God, like you are anointed child of God in whatever situation and circumstance you find yourself in. If you feel like you're in a prison right now, guess what? You're a child of God in the prison. If you feel like you're in a pit, guess what? You're a child of God in a pit. And there's gonna be people that you're there to minister to. And who knows? Who knows if the person in that, in that prison is somebody that you need to meet and you're gonna minister to them and they're gonna get you to where God wants you to be. So stop, come on, so stop, stop believing a lie. Stop thinking about yourself that I'm only in a pit. 
You're anointed child of God wherever God has you. You are a city on a hill. You're the light of the world. You take, you are a carrier of the Holy Spirit of God that's meant to go right into that situation and change it for the glory of God. And you're on a journey. And you know what? God's going to get you to where he said you would be. Remember Joseph? He had the dream, very clear dream. He knew it was going to, God knew that it was going to be like 16 years for Joseph. He wasn't concerned about the in-between. God's going to get you to where you are. You stay, you lay hold of God. You lay hold of his promise. You live like a child of God who knows God. Amen. You carry the anointing of God and the Holy Spirit wherever you go. Because it's not just about you. Again, again, if it was about me, then I would say probably some of it's just not worth it. It's too hard. I don't want to forgive. My flesh doesn't want to do those things. My flesh doesn't want to notice and minister to somebody else when I'm in my own pain. My flesh doesn't want to trust God with this. My flesh doesn't want to have to pull myself into the right mental space and renew my mind because it takes work to renew our minds. It really does take work. It doesn't just happen. It's intentional work. But it's not about us. Amen? Amen. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, God's Hall of Fame, those listed in Hebrews 11 and those not, those ones that will, we don't know this side of eternity. We'll meet them one day. But we're not the first ones to run this race. So let us throw off every weight that can so easily beset us and let us run. Let's get in the game. Some of us are in the game. Some of us need to get back into the game, right? Some, some of us just need to make that decision. God, put me in, coach. Put me in. Let's run our race. Amen. You stand with me this morning. I'm going to pray this over our lives, and I'm going to ask Nobody to leave uh, for the next couple of minutes because I'm going to pray over you. And then we're going to give individuals an opportunity to give their lives to the Lord in just a second. But let's go ahead and bow our heads real quick. Let's just open our hands. Let's raise your hands right where you are. God, we love you. We honor you. We just lift you up. Lord, we thank you that you're doing a work on the inside of each one of us. God, it's not about us. It's not about us. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just begin to pray over every single person in this room. Lord, I thank you that there is anointing, there are callings. God, there is destiny in this room that not one person in this room is done. God, you're not finished. They're not too far gone and they haven't messed it up bad enough. So Lord, I thank you that Holy Spirit, you just speak and that you begin to minister and you begin that we just break off um, just mindsets, lies. I just come against deception right now in the name of Jesus. And we just ask eyes to be open to see the truth of the word of God in this moment. 
Lord, I thank you for that. God, I thank you for ministering this word to us. God, no matter where each person is, God, you see us individually where we are. God, and we receive the word that you have for us today. And we allow it to do its work on the inside of us. I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going give to give those in the room who've never given their lives to the Lord, or maybe at one point in time you did, and it's just been a long time. You've lived a lot of life. Maybe you walked away from the Lord. We want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible also says that all who call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. We want to give you that opportunity this morning. So with everybody's heads bowed and their eyes closed, if that's you in the room, in the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand, and we're just going to pray right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to come down. We just want to pray a prayer with you and give you that opportunity to give your life to the Lord. There's nothing special about the prayer. It's the sincerity of your heart before God. We just don't want you to leave this place this morning without having the opportunity to get your heart right with Jesus. So on the count of three, if that's you in this room, you want to give your life to the Lord for the first time, or maybe you say, Jesus, I'm coming back. Would you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Go ahead and put your hands up. There's a hand there. Praise God. I see that. I'm looking. I don't want to miss. There's another hand down front. It's two. Thank you, Jesus. Three. Thank you. Three. I see that. Keep your hands up. I don't want to miss anybody. Praise God. Guys, can you just celebrate those three? That's awesome. We're going to pray. There may have been more. We're going to pray real quick. There might have been more and I didn't see you, but let, guys, let's just pray this prayer. Everybody together, right after me, so those, they know that they're not alone. Ready? We're going to say this. Dear Father, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I know I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Jesus, be my Lord and Spirit, Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me now. In Jesus' name, amen. One more celebration for everybody this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.